Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 30 of the 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today we hear about authors' journeys from E.B. Moore and Donna Gordon and how no matter where you are in your career or how old you might be getting, it is never too late. And we've just got Donna Gordon on, which I'm very happy about. So Donna and Liz, good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm doing well. Donna, how are you managing? My apologies to everyone. Uh, no problem. Okay. Thank you both for being on the show. Uh, Donna Gordon graduated from Brown. She's a Stegner Fellow at Stanford and won a Penn Discovery Award a Plowshares Dis- and, and a Plowshares Discovery Award. Her debut novel, What Ben Franklin Would Have Told Me, was published in 2022 by Regal House when she was 65 years old. She received the Whirling Prose Prize for the novel, and it was named by the Independent Book Review as one of the top 45 books that they were excited about for 2022. Nina McLaughlin, who we had on a few weeks ago, wrote in the Boston Globe, quote, Gordon's prose is lively. It rushes along with verb, humor, and heart. She has achieved the rare thing, a stirring, poignant story of death and love and a page-turning adventure. And Gordon is also visual artist. Actually, both of these women are also visual artists, and I've been lucky enough to work with both of them on their novels, so I'm really excited about having them both on again. Evie Moore is a metal sculptor turned poet turned novelist, and you'll hear me refer to her as Liz, but her publishing name is E.B., because there is another rather famous <laughs> Liz Moore. You know, there's also someone named Colleen Hoover. I don't know who she is, but I think she's out there writing. So um, Liz uh, has been a resident at the McDowell Colony, Yaddo, and the Vermont Studio Center. After graduating from the novel incubator, she has published three novels, Loose in the Bright, Fantastic, which is forthcoming next month. Um, she also published Stones in the Road, from NAL Penguin Random House and Unseemly Wife from the same publisher. Kirkus named Stones in the Road one of the best books of 2015. That's a big deal. She has also published a poetry chapbook, New England, a Legacy. She is the mother of three, grandmother of five, and lives with her partner in Scarborough, Maine. So I'm just so excited to have both of these on. Liz um, also was in the, in the Novel Incubator program. We have people from all ages, all backgrounds. And Liz was our, actually our first book deal. And she got a two book deal with a major publisher at the age of 72. Um, sorry, Liz. Oh, that's all right. I was going to fess up. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's actually incredible what both these women have been able to do and just continuing to write, continuing to believe in themselves. Um, so let's start with Liz. Um, and allow Donna to catch her breath a little bit. Um, Liz, tell us about your publishing journey. Well, as as you say, I, I started rather late, um, having been a metal sculptor for a, a long time for a full career. But when I had to, um, uh, I had to retire and I became an accidental novelist. Yeah. Um, I had not intended that in any part of my life. It didn't, it didn't occur to me. Uh, until after I had uh, had to retire from the from the metal work, and just got um, I started writing poetry, and uh, it's just very very short poems. Usually they were linked in some way, uh, and they had to do with family. And I was basically just writing for the family. I wasn't trying to to go out there and publish in in any way other than that. Um, so I started 
but I figured I better learn more about how to do it. So I went back to school, uh, which turned out to be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And then made, um, I ended up doing a series that had to do with stories about my grandparents. Um, my mother had told me all of these wonderful, uh, terrifying stories uh, when I was a kid at, at bedtime. How I could sleep, I don't know. But uh, she uh, she then ended up with a brain tumor and um, had a terrible uh, operation that failed. And uh, so she was losing. She lost her memory, uh, a good deal of it. And so those stories were all going to disappear if I didn't write them down. And uh, so that I wanted to do that. And that's when I did all the linked poems. Um, but I joined a group and that uh, a poetry group and uh, and they encouraged me once I had a full manuscript to actually try getting it out. So I did I did a few, uh, you know, one off in literary journals and, and actually did get published. And so I thought, OK, I'll try for one of these um, book contests or chapbook contests. And um, I read in the th in the um, you know on the net that no I didn't win, and then I got an email that said no you didn't you didn't win but uh, we want to publish you anyway, and <laughs> I thought oh it's a scam it's a oh, scam scam yes yeah, yeah so I was just about to delete it um, and it said just underneath don't delete this, um, this and, is not and, a scam. and I should have I should have known I mean that. Now, if that had come through, I would have thought for sure it was a scam. Anybody that says, don't delete this. Uh, but it turned out, of course, it wasn't. And um, and then when people read it, it was cryptic enough, I guess, I mean, to uh, make them wonder what really happened. And mm -hmm. uh, so the only way to do that was to write a novel. And I thought, I can't write a novel. I'd get lost. I wouldn't know where I was. It's too long, you know, because five line poems don't really translate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I found you. Yes. You, so we have questions in the chat about where you went back to school. And I know you came to Grub Street, but did you go other places before that? Yeah, I, I started at Harvard Extension because yeah. I um, I wanted to know whether this was something that was really going to work for me. Uh, and I figured that was the place to go. And I knew um, I knew somebody who was teaching there. Um, and so I figured I could rely on him to tell me the true story that I don't didn't you know wasn't going to get patted on the head and said there there dear <laughs> and, so, and so he 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 said yeah go for it and so I I went for a number of years and my uh, youngest child actually joined me she thought saw me having so much fun she said um, I I'm going to do this too and so she she came and she became a novelist as well fantastic that's right that's right. All right, Donna, and Donna, if you're watching the webinar version, Donna has got one of her paintings behind you, right? Um, I've got a few different things in progress, yes. Amazing. I love seeing that. I love seeing that. Okay, Donna, tell us about how you got started. Your bio said you published your first book, What Ben Franklin Would Have Told Me, um, when you were 65. So tell us about that. Okay, well, um, it wasn't the first book I wrote. I, I started out as a poet. I graduated from college in 1978. And um, I had been writing poetry. And then my sentences got longer. They became prose poems, stories, sort of in the tradition of what Jane Ann Phillips was doing with Black Tickets back then. And wow. I did 
I did write a first novel called Cave Paintings, and I did have an agent for that. And uh, Gordon Lish called me from Knopf and said how excited he was about it. And then, of course, he disappeared. So, and I was asked to rewrite that one by two other editors. Long story short, um, it didn't get published. I got married. I had some children. My husband had his own business. I sort of was relegated to caretaker, sort of the traditional uh, wife story, but it was real. And I didn't write any fiction for a long time. I freelanced for the Boston Globe magazine and other publications, but didn't didn't write fiction. So um, cut to 2012 or so, and I just really needed to write fiction and returned, connected with a couple of women in a writing group and started what Ben Franklin would have told me. I had two different experiences at the time. I had done a project with Amnesty International for which I had photographed and interviewed 15 people on their speakers list. And I met a man who had survived the dirty war in Argentina. And he became one of the characters in what Ben Franklin would have told me. He became Tomas. And at the same time, I had volunteered at Camp Sunshine in Maine, which was a camp for children with life-threatening illnesses and their families. And I met a boy who had progeria, which is a premature aging disease. So um, basically I put those two characters together in a room and, and let it happen, which is not to say, which is not to say it was easy because I didn't know what was going to happen, but because my book was a journey story, they go on a journey to look for Tomas's missing wife and child. So because it was a journey story, it had the built-in scaffolding and structure. Yeah. And that really helped me because coming from a poetry tradition, I didn't really understand all of the aspects of fiction writing. And But when I did your, your course, and I think it was 2016, that was enormously helpful and really helped me stay on course. Um, the novel was bought in 2000, the end of 2019, but didn't uh, appear until June 8th of 22. Yeah. But, but I would say that the big thing for me is that um, at my age, I don't feel particularly old or anything at all, but I, the reality is that now I'm 66, but I did feel that I needed to go from being a writer to being an author. And that is, sounds like a subtle shift, but it's an en enormous change for me. Mm -hmm. that has really sort of moved me along in my identity and my writing career in ways that I couldn't have predicted. I sometimes think if I had come to the end of my life and hadn't published my novel or, or gotten to the end, gotten to the end and felt that it was complete, that I would have, there would have been a real pain in my life um, yeah. not having done that. So I'm, I'm glad to have done this. And I feel, I'm glad that the book exists apart from me now in its own right. That's incredible because you, you had that early interest and then life got in the way and then you went back to it just knowing that this is what you loved and and you hear from both of these women were also poets and I think you can hear it in their prose um just beautiful beautiful prose writers um I would really look into their work um uh Donna where did you find your writing group when you first were starting out 
Um, I had been in a short story group with uh, Pam Painter for a while. I had been, in, I had taken a Harvard extension class and she pulled me out of that into her own writing group at her home. And that went on for a while, but, but that had ended. And then I saw a flyer, a friend of mine from Brown who had been a graduate student when I was an undergrad was doing a workshop in memoir and fiction in Cambridge where I live. And I contacted her and we put a group together with just one other person. But I would say that my book would never have, um, would never exist without the input of those two women who yeah. I trusted and who really, who really were very generous and helpful. And, and I'm, a, I'm very aware of that and I'm grateful to them. Yeah. And then Liz, um, how did you find your initial poetry group? Uh, that came uh, by the Joiner Center. I was I worked with them, went to their classes for a number of years, and um, it was a phenomenal uh, group of poets that were there. And we formed a, a small group and it, and then shifted and changed and then sort of solidified into a group of five who I still am, I Zoom with once a month and um, I'm in close contact with, which pleases me no end. Uh, but they they were very important in, in how all that developed. Yeah. So um, for the rest of you, if you're still looking for accountability groups or writing groups, I did post our March 12th, um, a, a, a posting about finding writing and accountability group connections. And people have put what they're doing on there and what they're looking for in terms of such a group. So I would go to our Substack page, March 12th, and look back for that post. And you can also post what you're looking for um, and, and what you're doing. And hopefully we can make some connections that way. Um, Liz, we also have a question. Was it difficult for you to find an agent? Um, I was very lucky uh, because I went to the Muse in the Marketplace. Um, and one of the things that I love about that is that you put in a certain number of pages and you've signed up and, and paid to have them to have certain agents read it. Uh, so you're not going to get ghosted. Right. Which, which happens a lot if you're just going out cold to people. So it was terrific. And I ended up um, being in contact with somebody who really liked what I was writing. Uh, which was the book that I did at the incubator. And right. um, and she ended up getting me a, the two-book deal. And she <laughs> did say uh, um, when, the, when it was offered, she said, are you sure you want to do another book? And I said, why would I not? And uh, she said, because the pressure of trying to get it done in whatever length of time they wanted, which was usually a year or two, uh, I said, well, I already have the book written because it was the first book I'd written. I, I just you know, flipped it around. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of old writers, they've got those books in the drawer. I'm like, <laughs> like I've got five novels in a drawer. Here you go. Um, and so you can find agents like that because because basically you're, you're paying them to sit down and they have to read your pages <laughs> and they exactly. have to talk to you about it and they can't escape. Um, there are a lot of um, opportunities for that around the country. Um, and so if you research their agents ahead of time, really look at if, if they are looking for your type of book and your type of material, um, you can find them. It does cost some money, which I wish, you know, we could work out a way that for some people that don't have the money to do that. Um, uh, but but it is a great way to 
to find an agent. Um, and I found my own agent at the Breadloaf Writers Conference. Um, so having them like face to face in front of you and talking to you is huge um, instead of just sending out letters. Donna, how did you find your agent? Well, I actually don't have an agent right now. I, I did have an agent for my first book, which did not get published. And I, she had been the cover story on Poets and Writers. And I wrote to her and, and, and she responded that way. And that was amazing. But for this particular book, um, I did not have an agent and I published with Regal House. And they had asked um, me to send a hard copy of the manuscript to them directly. Yeah, which is I have never heard of before. But the, um, the publisher there wrote back to say, you know, she really wanted to publish the book. And I just decided to go with her. And around the same time, an agent did contact me because I had a story in New Letters that received the publication prize there. Um, but it, I decided not to take another chance because I had too many sort of near misses and maybes. And yeah. so I decided to just go with Regal House. Yeah, good. So um, some things to listen to there. If you do, if you're publishing, um, shorter works in literary magazines um, that have pretty good names for themselves, agents do look through those for new writers. Um, so that is, that's another way to find an agent. Um, I also recommend uh, even longer writing conferences. If you, if you're able to do it, like Breadloaf Writers Conference, Swanee Writers Conference, Tin House Writers Conference, I'm pretty sure they're still doing their conference. Um, a lot of these, um, and there's, there's lots of them. If you search online, there's, there's, there's lots of them. Um, and uh, we can also do a, you can also ask online or ask me just directly, you know, have you heard of these people? Are they just asking for money? Are they up and up? Um, Cause there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the writing business that will take your money. Um, <laughs> so it is something you want to watch out for. Um, and, um, and there are virtual, a lot of the conferences do have virtual opportunities now. So if you're not in the U S cause I know we have a lot of listeners that are outside the U S that can be very helpful. So notice though, that Donna did not have an agent and a lot of that is possible. Um, and you can go to smaller presses or university presses without an agent. Um, I know that even Courtney mom who um, I've, I've known for years and she published her first uh, couple books with a really big house. She had an agent and her agent didn't want to go. She, she, had, she brought a, a kind of quirky book to her agent that was called Casa Ligre. And um, her agent didn't want to sell it for her. So Courtney actually started to go to houses herself um, to sell that book. Um, and then the agent, of course, was very excited when Courtney was able to sell that book herself. Um, and I know that Daphne Calate, um, also a, a close friend and also um, who's who's published uh, it with very large houses, has decided to go on her own as well because her agent kept pushing her towards women's fiction and women's um just just that, that particular genre and there's nothing wrong with women's fiction of course but she just didn't see herself in that light so she has instead started to go out herself represent herself it is more difficult and there's only certain presses that you can do that with but it might be a choice for you um to to do that um and, and so I would look into two chances to do that. Liz, what are some other difficulties that you found publishing at an older age? 
Well, one of the things that that happened, and I don't know that it, it matters how old I am. Yeah. Um, but with the with the the second book, the one that was uh, Kirkus liked so much, and um, and that was great. But unfortunately, my publisher fired the um, marketer about three months before the pub date and didn't put in another one until practically three months after. So wow. that was the only review that happened. Oh, really? It just wasn't enough. And I didn't know anybody. They didn't tell me that this had happened. So I, I wasn't on it to try to really um, get out there as much as I should have been. So the sales were very bad. And that meant when uh, I w- went out with my third book, um, all of the all of the comments that came back from publishers was we don't know how to sell this, which was ridiculous because that was an era when there was a lot being talked about dementia, and that's what that's what the book that's what the yeah. book is. Yeah, shamelessly show it to you. Uh, <laughs> it's called Loose, Loose in, in the Bright, Bright Fantastic. Loose in the Bright is fantastic. I love this. Um, so yeah, it does depend on your previous sales. They're looking at your previous sales. They're looking at yeah. Um, and so, so I went, yeah, so I, went to, I, I went to a, um, this, this went on for years and, uh, yeah. I really wanted to get this book out cause I thought my kids would get a charge out of it. Yeah. And, um, so I, I took it myself, um, because yeah. my agent sort of gave up on it. And so I took it to smaller presses and, um, ended up with, uh, frayed edge in Philadelphia. And I want to say they are phenomenal. Right. Great. Yeah, there's a lot of small presses that are doing really great work um, and they can get your book out for you. Um, You know, no matter what, as an author, you're going to have to do a lot of your own marketing and publicity. And a lot of authors, again, it takes money, but a lot of authors, even even if they get a deal through a publishing house, they will hire um, a, a, a PR person on the side to help them basically avoid what Liz went through. And it, it kind of sucks that we have to do this. Um, but uh, but it's what happens. Publishing houses are tend to have a lot of chaos going on in them. Um, Donna, is there any, what else has made it difficult for you at an older age, um, publishing at an older age? I, I think it had more to do with how I feel about myself. I think that there were a lot of uh, years of feeling discouraged um, and that it wasn't going to happen. But I don't feel like I've met with any kind of um, discrimination or anything like that. I feel like um, I've just had the normal uh, challenges once the book was published in terms of what Liz is saying about marketing and publicity. And also at Regal House, um, I was responsible for all of my fact checking and my book is a historical novel. So that was a lot to take on. Yeah. And I I have a, a Spanish-speaking character, and I had to get help from a friend of mine who's bilingual in order to do that because they were not uh, able to help me with that. And then, of course, what you're saying, the promotion, um, I did have a part-time publicist, but I felt that what I did was probably more effective um, yeah. because I um, I was willing to circle back and repeat things. Um, my publicist did a fine job, but I think, um, you know, working for myself, I was able to put more time into it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And there are also good publicists and not so good publicists. 
<laughs> um, um, to help you out. We do have a question in the chat. I've heard different answers to this question, but do you need a, to finish an entire manuscript for soliciting an agent? If you have a solid half and an outline plus synopsis, is that sufficient? You do need to have an entire draft for a novel uh, submission or a memoir submission. Um, you know, you might meet some young writer who's got has published a lot of smaller pieces might run into an agent and the agent might be willing to work with something that's half finished. Um, but otherwise, for the, for the most part, you have to have that book done and it has to be as good as you can possibly make it. So I would really work at it um, to get it there. Nonfiction books, um, you usually have a book proposal and a few um, chapters, but it's different for novels and for memoir. Okay. What are some good things about publishing later in life? Liz. Um, I guess it's, does, it doesn't matter in the end. Um, it's great if it works out. If it doesn't work out, I just keep going because I love the writing process. So, yeah. it, so it, it feeds me in a way. It saves me from any, any awful thing that's coming down the pike and you never know what is going to come. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really um, it's a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not as it's both a lifesaver, but you're also not as wrapped up in it. You're not as tied to it because you know who you are. I mean, this is also why I, I generally like working with older writers. Um, Donna, has there been any good things about being an older writer? Yeah, I, I would say that I don't think I would have been able to write this particular book as a younger person, I think I really benefited from uh, my life experience. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, as much as I felt I was, you know, writing well, when I wrote my first novel, I feel like I had an opportunity to, um, to let myself have the time I needed in this book. And, and my life experience really sort of kicked in, in ways that I think are reflected in the, in this, in the story. Yeah, absolutely. And do you guys have um, any advice for people that are working at an older age and are facing, you know, the publishing world and trying to get their voices out there? Liz, how about you? Uh, don't, don't give up whatever happens. Just, just keep, keep going Write as often as you can. I know that people say you should write every day and that's a little hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but, but keeping it going makes all the difference. And being part of a, a writing group, I'm part of a, a group of uh, five novelists, and I count on them enormously. And having them uh, is just, it's terrific. Having that support. Donna, how about you? I agree. I think one needs to be dogged and, and just, you know, keep going frequency and radar, despite what anyone else is doing and what anyone else says. And I think um, one, in order to write the best possible version of what you're doing, I think one needs to be able to hear uh, feedback and, and get perspective. I was in a group where someone didn't want to deviate from actual events in her life. And that doesn't contribute to writing a story the best. <laughs> so I think, I think being able to hear and, um, and be honest with oneself is really important in that process. Great, great. Okay, um, we're going to have to go, but I just love hearing from both these older writers and having their wisdom with us and having their stories because we need their stories as well. And again, 
I love working with older writers. There's something steadfast and settled um, that, that I don't always get to see. So thank you so much. You can find our full March Writing Challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Subscribe there for updates. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. So ladies, are you going to be able to get some writing done today? Today. Liz, how about you? Oh, yes. Um, I'm working right now on trying to get uh, letters out to uh, uh, prospective interviewers to uh, nail down a little bit more marketing. And so I have to readjust uh, the synopsis and how I describe the book. Depending right. On so she's got her marketing hat on. Again, her book, Loose in the Break, Great. Loose, sorry, in the bright, fantastic is coming out in May. So, and that's the problem too. Like your writing turns into to marketing and publicity. And sometimes you just have to do that. Donna, are you going to be able to get me writing done today? Yes, I'm planning on it. Thank you. Fantastic. And again, Donna's book, What Ben Franklin Would Have Told You, came out in 2022. That was probably still mired a little bit in the pandemic. So it'd be great um, to give her attention. And I love that both of you are also visual artists and also poets. Um, so this broad experience is so, so helpful. All right, everyone, I'm going to have to let you go. But I hope everyone has gotten some ideas today and feels like you don't have to rush. You can simply write. Thank you both very much and have a great writing day.